Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Phil. Um, it is great to be here with you this morning. Um, and for those of you who don't know, maybe this is your, maybe this is your first time. We've been going through a, a series looking through the book of Exodus. So if you've got your Bibles with you, um, then if you could start turning to the book of Exodus, that'd be really helpful. Um, it's the second book in the Bible. Um, for those of you who, with the U sheet, you just simply have to turn over the sheet and it'll be there for you. So, yeah, we've been looking at um, a God-centered community. I think we've been really um, just, just challenged over the last few years, really, about um, what does it mean for us to be a, a church community? What does it mean for us to, to do this whole, you know, not just a Sunday morning meeting, but actually, how do we make sure that we are a church community? And as important as, the, as this Sunday morning meeting is, this isn't the be-all and end-all. Actually, there is far more for us to explore. And actually, this journey through Exodus is going to really help us with that. So I wonder, when you consider what a, a healthy community is, I wonder what your, your go-to answers are would be if this was a question on family fortunes and you had to press your buzzer as quickly as you could, what would be your first answer? Maybe it's strong leadership. Maybe it's shared vision. Maybe it's that we've got healthy members, that healthy members make a healthy community. I wonder how many of you would actually think the opposite, whether you would be thinking actually the sign of a healthy community is that there's unhealthy members you'll have seen around the, around the building that there's been a series of posters um, up during this, this series. And one of them says, a healthy community is a place for imperfect people. Which, which in a way kind of like seems a little bit counterintuitive really. But then when I think about the, the people who I feel the most comfortable with, they're the people and the groups where actually I feel I can be myself, where I can, you know, show weakness and show, and show vulnerability. And, and so actually, if we're to be a healthy community as a, as a church, actually we need to be, be people who aren't just putting on Photoshop versions of ourselves. I think that we've probably all been in situations in our, in our you know, in different friendship groups, in work situations and stuff like that, where actually you, you know that you're not fully being true to yourself, but actually as a healthy community, we need to be like that. So I wonder where you would place your experience of the church community at the moment, whether you feel that you need to put on a show, whether you feel like you need to put on your best clothes, put on your best face and all that sort of stuff and actually present yourself to those around you as a certain thing or whether you actually feel that you can be yourself in all of your flaws, in all of your weaknesses. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge that we're faced when we're building church community that actually... We ourselves probably would, we want, we want that. We want to be able to feel that we can be, that we can be ourselves. We want to be able to feel our, you know, be able to show our weaknesses and our flaws and our imperfections. The challenge is that that means that we need to allow other people to show their flaws, their weaknesses and their imperfections. Because to be honest, not everybody behaves how I would want them to behave. Not everybody believes everything that I would want them to believe. 
as, as much as I would want them to think all of the same things that I do, actually I know if they're going to be what we'd call gracious for me, then I need to be gracious for them. And, and actually it's, it's a sign of Jesus, really. Jesus said that he's not come for those who consider themselves perfect, but for the sick, the needy, the broken, the imperfect, and the flawed. So, so it's okay. It's okay if you feel like you fit that description. It's okay if you feel here this morning that you have loads of weaknesses, loads of imperfections, loads of flaws, loads of vulnerabilities. That's okay. Jesus is for you. There's a quote here by Dane Ortland in his excellent book, Gentle and Lonely. And it says, It is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God not once we begin to get our act together but once we collapse into honest acknowledgement that we never will okay right so if you'll turn with me we're in chapter 4 of Exodus so if you want to turn there if this is your first time joining with us I'm going to just give you a little backstory of where we are up to this point we've got this man Moses who you may have heard of Um, We'll talk about him in a bit. He's felt that God said to him in the previous chapter, in chapter 3, God said, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, where they were being oppressed, they are in slavery, they have been crying out to God for help. And God was calling this guy, Moses, to, to bring the people out of Egypt, to bring them salvation, to, and, and actually God had given him instructions to go and assemble the elders of Israel and all go together to the king of Egypt and speak to him. So this is a big deal. Moses has a big calling on his life, a calling to rescue his people from their oppressors, a calling to save them from the slavery they were under. Now that word calling, I wonder what sort of images it conjures up for you. I wonder whether you're someone who... um, you know, when you think, okay, God's got a calling on my life, you know exactly what the thing is. You know that it's a, there's a, a people group that you're going to be, um, that, that God's called you to, whether that's a job situation that you've been called to. But I want to encourage you that actually, for every single one of us in here, God has a calling on our life. And, and in a similar way to, to Moses, it's to help our, our people. It's to help our people to, to come to a place of salvation, to, for our, our friends, our colleagues, to bring them to a place where they know him as their saviour. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says this, be familiar to many of you, I'm sure, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. I wonder, just as you reflect on those words right now as you're calling from Jesus to you, therefore go and make disciples of all nations which words jump out at you therefore go and make disciples of all nations if you're a Christian here today I wonder how often you ponder these words that calling that thing that Jesus has for all of us how much it affects your day-to-day decisions if you're not a Christian here today I wonder how you feel that when, when you hear that Jesus instructed his followers to, to tell others about him, maybe, maybe it explains why you are even here this morning. Now, if you're, even if you're new to the Bible, you might have heard of Moses. And there's a bit described in the book of Deuteronomy, another book in the Old Testament. And this, 
this description might be a little bit more familiar in terms of how you think of Moses. It's the last few verses in Deuteronomy, it says, No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Maybe that's the guy that you think about, Moses, like this great hero. But actually, as we look in this passage, as we look at chapter 4, we're going to see he was just a normal guy, full of weaknesses, full of flaws, full of imperfections, full of vulnerabilities. His response to God, when God called him, he was full of doubts. So, verse 1 of chapter 4, Moses answered, What if they, the Israelites, who he'd been asked to go and speak to, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you wonder if that's ever anything that you ever feel like where you think well what if what if people think that actually God hasn't said what I think that he said what if my what if my friends think that I'm mad for thinking that God has spoken at all we can very easily be be full of doubts and God responds to Moses in three signs that we're gonna that we're gonna look at this morning that of resources that of his fitness for the task and that of opposition. So often when we, um, you know, when God, when God speaks to us and we're kind of like thinking, oh, you know, what's, what's the deal here? We can, we can be faced with the challenges. Okay, well, feeling like we don't have enough, we're not good enough, and actually there's going to be opposition. People are going to talk about us a certain way. So firstly, the first sign, God hones in on the issue of resources. That thought that we don't have enough. How often do we say, if I had more, then I would do more. Then I, then I would build this community more. If I, if I just had more to me, if I had more things, then actually I would, I would do more. And God asks Moses what is in his hand. And I think that's something that he's going to be asking us today as well. What is in your hand? What do you have at this point? God asked Moses what is in his hand and this is going to be a sign for the Israelites it's going to be a sign for Moses it'll actually be a sign for the Egyptians and it'll be a sign for us today as well so Moses has this staff in his hand like a stick and then when God instructs him instructs him to throw it to the ground it turns into a snake and then he says pick it up again and then as he picks it up it turns back into a staff again so it's a sign for the Israelites of, of God's ability that actually whatever resources that they have, actually God can use them. And he'll keep on dealing with their re, the resources that they need. It's a sign for Moses that even when he feels inadequate, that God, what God will do will be more than enough. Interestingly, it's a sign for the Egyptians as well. Kings of Egypt used to have cobras on them, and so victory over a snake in this situation would be challenging Egyptian religion and sovereignty. And it's a sign for us today that actually whatever you have in, in your hands is enough for what God is calling you to. So, what's in your hands? What resources 
do you have and how are you going to use them? As you look deeper into, the, into these very verses of the first sign, I find it really interesting that God puts Moses in a really quite uncomfortable position. When he first saw the snake, it says in verse 3, it says he was terrified and he ran from it. And then God says this, he says, pick it up by its tail. And that, that detail, I, f- I think, is really interesting because um, as part of my preparation, and this isn't preparation for all sermons, but as part of this preparation, I thought I would YouTube how to correctly handle a snake. And let me tell you that to pick it up by the tail is not a tip that the YouTubers of today's generation give. Because if you pick it up by the tail, then you've got this snake which then feels really vulnerable because it's like dangling with its head and it feels like it's falling down to the ground. Not only that, you're then leaving the head of the snake in this like vulnerable and like distressed position. You're leaving the head quite, you know, you're quite open to be struck at really. And so I find it really interesting that God would say, pick it up by the tail. And I don't think it's because God didn't know how to pick up a snake. Okay? But actually, sometimes on a human level, the things that God tells us to do don't make sense. And actually, sometimes we feel like we're put in an even more vulnerable position than before. But through obedience to God's commands, Moses sees what God can do. And so the encouragement to us is to be obedient to what God is saying even when it doesn't make sense. And that could be in your individual life or it could be for us as a church. Now I know that over, over many years, you know, I've been involved in, in church for you know, most of my life actually. And there's been a huge um, you know, the, the, a focus on, on numbers throughout that time of churches had to, in order to build well, you have to get bigger numbers. So bigger is better. But actually what God is calling us to in this point and in this stage, he's calling us to be a community, to be something which is purer, which is better, which is more Christ-like and not to focus on numbers. And it might not make sense to you. It might not make sense to you that, well, surely to build a a good church, a healthy church, we need to be getting more people in. But actually that's, you know, God's measure of success is completely different to ours. Okay, so having had this first sign, God speaks again. He tells Moses to put his hand inside his cloak. When he takes it out, it was leprous, so, which is a word used for various diseases affecting the skin. It was as white as snow. And then he puts it back into the cloak and takes it out again, and it was restored. With this sign, God is arrowing in on his fitness for the task, his abilities, his capabilities. That, that statement of, I'm not... I'm not good enough. On a personal level, um, he was helping Moses to realize that it was all under God's power, his health, his capability for the situation. He would be showing the Israelites exactly the same thing, their health, their ability, in order to be doing you know, what God was calling them to was in God's power. And actually be showing that Egypt's health and power, health and w- was in God's control as well. God was sovereign over it all. And we can sense God's call 
in our, on our lives. We can know the big picture that God's calling us to. And our response can be, but I'm not good enough. I, I'm not capable enough. I don't have anything to offer. Surely there's someone better than me to do what you're asking. God's saying to us, okay, well, who, who asked you to do it? Your ability to, to do this doesn't depend on you, actually. It depends on me. So don't be surprised when God calls you to things which you don't feel that you have strengths in. Don't be surprised if you have to um, go out of your comfort zone for things that God is calling you to. You know, God's story through the whole Bible has been to use people in and despite their weaknesses and their failings. And I've got a, a list which you may have heard before, but I think it's a helpful one of who God chooses and who God uses. Jacob was a cheater. Abraham was too old. Timothy was too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Miriam was a gossip. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Joseph was abused. Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon was insecure. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Zacchaeus was too short. Elijah was suicidal. Peter denied Jesus. Lazarus was dead. <laughs> different histories, different cultures, different backgrounds and personalities. Imperfect people like you and me. And God loves to use those people. So don't discount yourself. Don't discount yourself from sharing your story just because of some perceived weakness that you have. Okay, third sign. Having given Moses signs to root out the insecurities that he had about the, his resources and his own capabilities, God then challenged Moses' view on opposition. This would show Moses, it would show the Israelites that, that God was above all of it. That actually God could deal with all of that opposition that the very heart of Egypt was subject to God's power. No element of it was beyond him. Moses was told that what he would do is he would take some water from the river Nile, he would pour it on dry ground and then it would turn into blood. The Nile was the most important symbol of life and vitality in Egypt, but through this weak man, Moses, they would see that it was subject to God's rule and authority. The very heart of Egypt was going to be subject to his power. And it's interesting that Moses witnessed the first two signs. He actually witnessed it happen. But on this third sign, God says, this is what's going to happen. And for some of us, we might have seen God do some stuff in the past, but actually the things that he's calling us to, we're like, oh, I'm not really sure that, I'm not really sure you're going to be doing that because I've never seen you do this before. And what we have to do is we have to think back to the, the previous things which God has done, and we have to think, okay, well, God was faithful in this moment, God was faithful in, in this moment, so he will be faithful with our next step as well. And that's true for us individually and as a community as well. And for some of you, actually, if you're not a Christian here today, maybe you've seen God do stuff in the past. Maybe you've seen him, he maybe he's healed you before. Maybe you've seen, actually, things happen. And you think, okay, well, God was true and, and like, real in this moment and this moment. But actually, I'm not quite sure that I'm ready to take 
that step. And it's about looking back at, at the things that you have seen and there will be a, a step of faith. And if you think that there's going to be opposition, God would say to you through this sign that actually he is over and above that opposition, that his rule and power is not restricted to what is opposing you at this point. And it says in the Bible and other places, if our God is for us, then who can be against us? God's answer to all of Moses and thus our insecurities is to be obedient to him and watch what he does. What he's calling you to do, he's going to lead you through. All right, so we've gone through the, the three signs, which then takes us into um, verse 10. God's been really patient with Moses so far. He's given him these three signs. Um, and so, you know, they have multiple meanings for, for Moses, for the Israelites, for the Egyptians. And so, so Moses is ready to go, right? No. Moses is definitely not ready to go. He says, God, well, one more, one more thing. Verse 10, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I never, never used to be. And even after you've spoken to me, still, still I'm not. I'm slow of speech and tongue. This thing you're asking of me isn't in my natural skill set. I know you're with me, but this, this thing isn't going to work. The signs and their meanings are really great, God, but actually there's just one thing that I don't think you can deal with. Moses is still not confident in his ability to carry out the task. And God's response, as it would be to us when we're in this position, is to point him towards truth. We had a little bit of that this morning with, with things that Jim was saying, pointing us towards the truth. God reminds him of his sovereignty in human creation, Reminds me who's actually ultimately in charge of this whole thing. In other places it says that, you know, God knitted you in your, in your mother's womb. And here he outlines to Moses that he is who he is because that's how God made him. And you are who you are because that's how God made you. And don't, don't think that you need to be someone else because that, that's not how God has made you. Nothing about you your life and your character has taken God by surprise. And he has truths to speak over you. He knows you, he's chosen you as you are. And actually the fact that he's speaking these truths over us is, is one very good reason why we need to keep digging into our Bibles because that's where you know, all of these truths that we know about, that's where we find them. So keep digging into your Bible. Then you'll see that in verse 12, uh, um, having given Moses the encouragement, he still tells him, go. Go and I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. God isn't just going to leave him to it. He's not just giving him these, these truths and then just being like, oh yeah, like, and then leaving it. He's saying, you know, go. I will help you speak and teach them what to say. And maybe it's the first time that you've heard God speak to you. Whatever God you feel that God is speaking to you about, actually you need to know that actually as you push out, as you step out in faith, he's not going to abandon you. God says in, there's a bit in the, um, in the New Testament in a book called 2 Corinthians, 
says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Actually, God's power in our weakness, he just loves to use himself through, through weak people. And so as we think about our calling to make disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, as we think about maybe you've got uh, your own personal calling that you know about, actually he will be with us. John Burke, who is an uh, American pastor in his book, No Perfect People Allowed, said this, We must show others how our brokenness leads us to daily dependency on a merciful saviour who brings healing for our souls and hope for our futures. Let your weakness lead you to Jesus and let your weakness lead others to him as well. It's okay to not know all the answers. Actually, our, our friends who, who aren't Christians don't think that we need to know all the answers. So, so don't feel that you need to try and cobble together something. You don't need to know all of the answers. Then, Moses, even after this, is still unwilling. Verse 13, he says, But Moses says, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Hard work for God, isn't it? Sometimes with us. And then verse 14 says this. And, and it, it's the sort of verse which when you're given to, to preach, you're like, well, maybe I just skip over this verse. No one will notice. Um, and we'll just, we'll just glance over it. But I'm not going to do that, thankfully. In verse 14, it says... Um, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. God's response was that his anger burned towards Moses. God's desire is to use us. He'll give us everything that we need in order to fulfill that calling. If we then turn around and say, God, you've got this wrong, then it shows our distrust of him. And the closest words that we have to describe how God feels in that moment would be anger, annoyance, upset, and intense displeasing of how we have responded. And part of me is thinking, is God upset when I get nervous or I feel that I am not able to do something? Because if that's the case, then God is upset and angry with me an awful lot. And God has been upset and angry with me this morning. Okay? So, do I just, do I just need to be more self-confident? Is that it? Having, having taught, I taught in schools for um, about 12, 12 years, worked with young people, 12, 15 years. I know that there's a, there's a, a spectrum of, in terms of, people's self-confidence it's not just a case of like these guys are self-confident these guys aren't self-confident actually there's a huge spectrum of people depending on the situation they're in the different personalities who's around there's a spectrum from from self-confidence to something um called self-diffidence okay which would be shyness due to lack of self-confidence and so so if there is this spectrum then actually at what point along that line is God then going to be starting getting upset and angry and displeased with my behavior? 
Matthew Henry, a Bible teacher from a long time, time ago, helpful, helpfully challenges us with this. He says, self-diffidence, so that shyness due to lack of self-confidence, when it hinders us from duty is displeasing to the Lord. So it's not about how self-confident you are in a situation. It's not about whether you can think of 100 reasons why you wouldn't be up for this task, why you couldn't do this task. It's actually about whether that hinders you from obedience. And so it's not about your, about your feelings, and it wasn't so much for Moses about him, him feeling like insecure, because clearly God was going to deal with all those things. It's the fact that it then led him to be like, no, I'm not going to do it. It led to his disobedience. So I want to encourage you, if you're somebody who feels that they don't feel very self-confident, don't let that hinder you from the obedience that God is calling you to. And even in this moment when God's anger burned towards Moses, how does God deal with it? With grace. He graciously says to Moses in verse 14, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? You speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. He'll speak to the people for you, and it will be as if it were your mouth and as if you were God to him. It wasn't that God was going to give Aaron to Moses just to do everything for him. God doesn't abandon Moses just when he started to resist God's plan. Actually, Moses was still the one who had the calling to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, and God, in his grace, found a way to outwork his promises through another person. And Moses was still called to hold on to the promises of God. As we'll see in the final verse of this section, verse 17, God still says, but take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Just because Aaron was there didn't mean that all of a sudden God had said, what God had said wasn't going to be true. Moses still had the challenge of being obedient. His faith was still challenged and the promises of God for his life were still being outworked. Moses was an imperfect individual, but God had big plans to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He was just a normal guy, normal challenges, and as we've seen, a whole lot of insecurities. God loves to be, use people like this, people like you, people like me, people who are in their in their vulnerabilities, in their weaknesses, in their obedience, God will use. It says in 1 Corinthians, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I wonder how you feel. I wonder how you feel in society. I wonder how you feel in this room. Every single one of you, God can use. God wants to know and be in right relationship with him. If the band come up, just while I finish. Okay, and to be in right relationship with God, well, we have to look to one who was greater than Moses. Where Moses kept on making excuses and was, was unwilling to go, Jesus willingly came down to earth, lived a perfect life, and went to the cross to deal with our sin. Where Moses felt he lacked resources, where he felt he wasn't up to the task. Jesus had all the resources of heaven, fully God, 
and yet came to earth, still fully God, but also fully man. Went through all our challenges, all, our, all the temptations that we would go through. Where Moses faced opposition, Jesus knew constant opposition to the point of them killing him. Where Moses needed someone else to go with him, Jesus was the only one who could go. He was the only one who could stand in our place. The only one who could bridge that gap from our sin and our wrongdoing that is like kept between us and God. And where Moses was calling the Israelites out of their slavery and oppression, Jesus offers you salvation today from all that has held you back in the past. He offers you freedom from your sin, now doesn't need to stop you from knowing God now and for eternity. Where we are imperfect people trying to make our way through, he is and always will be the perfect one.